Switzerland Global Enterprise Podcast. Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Switzerland Global Enterprise. We are the National Trade Promotion Agency of Switzerland and support Swiss SMEs with their internationalization projects. We have three offices in Zurich, Lausanne and Lugano, where we have consultants. And we have a network of Swiss business hubs located at embassies and consulates in the most important trading destinations for Switzerland abroad. SGE offers a range of support and services to help companies from their first steps in expanding abroad to those trying to optimize their global presence. I'm David Avery, the head of sustainability and clean tech, and I lead a team who focus specifically on helping companies with energy, environment, waste, water technologies the so-called clean tech technologies, helping them to develop and expand abroad. In this episode, we will discuss how Swiss companies can contribute to clean energy, energy efficiency and sustainability solutions in Latin America, specifically in Brazil and in Chile. And in a moment, I will hand over to our Swiss business hubs for interviews with local experts who will tell you more about the unique challenges Latin America faces when it comes to the energy transition and sustainability, and which Swiss technologies are required to overcome these challenges. They will share some experiences and tips for developing business in these countries. SGE works in Switzerland closely with many partners and especially with associations. And for this podcast, we partnered with the Energy Cluster. So before I start, I would like to invite you to listen to Frank Schuch, the CEO of the Energy Cluster and a former Swiss diplomat based in Latin America. I am Frank Schurch, the CEO of the EnergyCluster.ch, the leading association in Switzerland promoting energy efficiency and renewable energies in the real estate and construction businesses. We count 600 members, which are companies, research and educational institutions, and a 70,000 person strong network with which we regularly interact. We are pleased to partner with Switzerland Global Enterprise to help our members expand their businesses into markets abroad. I am personally very happy that in this podcast we can focus on the needs and opportunities in Latin America, where I personally lived and worked for 11 years. The business potential and opportunities in this part of the world is very high and the local cultures are easy to grasp for Swiss companies. Thank you, Frank. Great to hear you and that we can work together to support Swiss companies. I'd like to take a few moments now to set the scene for the interviews. Latin America has great opportunities for Swiss companies in the cleantech area, especially regarding the challenges the region faces concerning the energy transition. The region will play a major role in the future due to its natural resources, and it's in the position to be of major importance regarding renewable energies. Some of the countries already do have a clean-based energy matrix. For example, Brazil, which relies heavily on hydropower. And whilst countries might have the optimal conditions for generating renewable energy, technology will play a key part in the adoption of new sustainable practices. This is something that LATAM demands, and I believe Swiss companies are in a position to address with advanced technologies. LATAM has proven that it can adopt state-of-the-art technology. Moreover, the region is used to adapting these technologies to its need. The continent has had to be creative regarding generation and distribution of electricity because of challenges that are different to those found elsewhere in the world. Decentralized power generation has always been in the scope of LATAM due to the vast distances of the continent and the lack of power grid coverage. But now, 
with the energy transition, it will for sure assume a different perspective, especially regarding the use of solar energy, which is mainly based on decentralized generation. One of the great challenges that the countries will face is to find technological solutions that are affordable, do not need over extensive return on investment periods. And in the m- most of the region, long-term planning is relatively difficult due to changes of economic and political systems. So it can be a bumpy road, but the rewards are for sure overwhelming as the potential for growth is one of the main drivers of these markets. So today we would like to present some of those opportunities that our experts on the ground have identified in this region, opportunities that are of particular interest to Swiss SMEs. There is much growth expected in generation, storage, distribution of renewable energies, huge potential for advances in energy efficiency. Next, we will hear from Brazil where Leticia de Sena Carita from our Swiss Business Hub will interview Barbara Ruby, CEO of Bright Strategies and Vice President of the Board of the Brazilian PV Association, AB Solar. Barbara, welcome to our podcast. My first question to you is, uh, Brazil is known for a clear, clean energy matrix, especially for hydropower and biomass. But for the next years, what other renewable energy sources do you see as the most promising in the country and why? Hi, Leticia. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting um, to be here with you today. Well, definitely hydro and biomass have been playing a major role in developing clean power in Brazil. But what we are seeing for the coming years, it's a growth in wind that already represents over 10% of our energy matrix, as well as solar. And solar is very interesting because while when we look at hydro and biomass and even wind, we are mostly looking at um, bigger scale and centralized projects. When we are looking for solar, we are talking mostly about distributed generation that already account for over 10 gigawatts of solar installed in our power matrix in the country. And Barbara, what are the main challenges uh, do you think that the Brazilian energy sector faces today? And where do you see that advanced technology could play a role in solving or minimizing those challenges? I think the Brazilian energy sector, it's kind of an in-between scenario. So right now we are still very much reliant on um, hydro, which is on a way positive because it means that our matrix is quite renewable. We are talking about a power matrix that it's over 65% coming from hydro. But that also means that in a context of climate change, for example, severe droughts like the one the country has faced in 2014 and 15, and then again in 2021, um, can reduce our capacity to produce energy in the scale we need and as um, cheap or as cost-effective as our consumers and our industry needs us to. So I think that's that's a first challenge that we have. Um, how can we actually transition or start using hydros, for example, more as a natural storage um, that we have in our matrix and less as the base load that we dispatch. Uh, and then the second that comes directly from the first is if we increase the use of um, intermittent or non-dispatchable sources like solar and wind, for example, how can we stabilize 
um, the grid scenario or how can we ensure that the grid actually operates uh, so fine-tuned that it's easier for the national grid operator to be able to control each of the sources. And I think in both these cases, technology can play a major role. First, because when we look towards transitioning from hydro, um, or not only to hydro, but to other sources, um, we know, for example, that biomass can play an even major role in the country, but we need more technology in order to be able to deliver that, especially if we look, for example, uh, for waste biogas. Brazil right now uses a lot of biomass, but mostly for, from sugarcane, um, and there's a lot of potential in waste that is still untapped, and we definitely need more technology for being able to um, to actually use it or to tap it better. And then the second technology that we have that we also will be very much reliant on um, on, on technology to be able to deliver um, is um, how to operate and how to manage so many sources um, that in a way work uh, work very well together. For example, our wind and our solar potential tend to complement each other but we still need technology to be able to better dispatch it, to control it, to predict it, um, and also more technology to be able to actually foresee and control the demand side, not only the, the power supply side. And this is, these are challenges that the Brazilian government has been trying to address with support from the private sector, but I have no doubt that we have much to learn from other countries that have been walking this road from a longer time than Brazil. You already touched on topics that we have for our next question, but I will ask just to see if you have uh, other complementations. What kind of products or services in terms of improving energy efficiency do you see as the most promising in Brazil for the next five or 10 years? Uh, and here we, we don't have to consider only the consumer perspective. Uh, we can also think about industry and other segments that use energy as well. The energy sector in Brazil, it's going through a very interesting phase because we are in the middle of a process that we call like a modernization of the energy sector. And that means that the government is trying to establish a new way of understanding or charging for energy and electricity that we consume but also to looking for other or more meaningful ways to establish how do we actually pay or value energy that is produced. Mm -hmm. So this overall scenario that we have and that it's foreseen to be in a way more concluded or that it's a, it's a topic that it's supposed to be advanced in 2022 still, um, will set new demands and new opportunities if we look uh, for the energy sector in general and for energy efficiency. And I think the way, um, the reason why I'm, I'm saying all this is because there is a, a growing tendency, I think, in the energy sector globally, which is to look at energy as a service mm -hmm. um, more than only as a, as a product that you deliver once and then your relationship um, ends there, whatever you are, a power producer or an industry or a government official or anything like that. 
And, and if we look towards this growing tendency of treating energy as a service and also the what does it mean, for example, for big energy providers or for big energy consumers like industry, as you meant, we will need to be able to talk more about energy management overall. So that also it's a bit linked to what I said before, but I think if and if we were looking towards, let's say, several lights being lit up in the energy sector, I would say most of them are flagging towards that. And, and that's a lot of what we've been hearing also, like the need to have better energy controls or energy management systems that can help understand all these changes that we are having and, and help um, decision makers, whatever the chairs they are sitting on are, to actually have the the better judgment or the better call to to deliver on their choices. So I think those kind of technologies that leads towards that path, alongside, of course, with other technologies that can support energy efficiency, especially also in production, um, are are the the ones that we have the biggest opportunities to 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 lead on. By what you said, it seems that there are plenty of opportunities for Swiss companies that offer technologies to the energy sector to tackle the Brazilian market. Um, however, in your experience, are there any barriers for foreign providers to supply to the Brazilian energy sector, like certifications, legislation, or even cultural differences? And how do you think that the companies could overcome them? I think the there are different um, ways or different types of barriers that we can we can talk about but definitely i would say that the biggest one and i wouldn't even pose it as a barrier but more like as a challenge and also some kind of mindset that would need to the needs to be a bit different when we are looking towards uh, a company operating in brazil is uh, first, the fact that Brazil, it's a huge continental country. And that means for sure that our energy sector, it's structured um, in a way to supply this continental country, but that each of the regions that we have here also have their own um, specificities. Mm -hmm. So that means that we have a very complex kind of web of laws, regulations, and norms that need to be um, addressed and need to be observed uh, when we are talking about operating in the Brazilian energy sector. It's a sector that unlike what we have, for example, in Europe or in North America, it's still very, very much regulated in all the senses and in all ways. And even in bilateral contracts, there are several regulations that need to be um, that need to be observed for, for us to be able to do that. So understanding this complex web is, is I would say, the, the main challenge that we have and learning how to better navigate on it. So that would be the main one. The second one is that we do have two bodies for certification in Brazil, which are, um, which are called Inmetro and ABNT. And they, what they do pretty much is establish specific regulation or specific technical parameters that need to be observed by, for example, um, 
products that will be sell in Brazil. Uh, for services, we don't have that as much, but for products per se, we do have and they need to be fit. I think even for that, the good, maybe the good scenario here, or what I could say is that most of these certifications that are needed, they can be achieved as well um, in European lab laboratories, for example. So not necessarily the product needs to be certified in Brazil. So we have some kind of opportunities there to seek these specific spots. Um, those are, I would say, the main, the main barriers. And then, of course, to understand uh, that consumers, like the, there's, Brazil has a different culture, as you as you've mentioned, even in your question, than what we have in other countries. And that, of course, affects the way we negotiate and the way we close business. So I think if, if a company is able to understand how regulation here is a structure, how the sector is a structure, and to map all that and, and to still be able to, to accept, I would say, um, this business way in Brazil, it has everything to succeed here. We do see the, the importance of adapting to the Brazilian market. So many of our clients, for example, uh, when entering the Brazilian market, they first partner with a local company uh, in order to get access to, to this cultural or even um, technical information that the, the locals have access to because they know the market very well. But Coming to, to this point, I also want to hear from you in our last question. If you could give three pieces of advice to a, a Swiss small or medium-sized company that wants to enter the Brazilian energy market with technological solutions, what would you recommend to those companies? Uh, yes, I think um, that's, that's, a very, that's a very nice question, actually. Uh, First, I really like what you mentioned, and that would be my first advice to try to partner or to have a local representative supporting you um, in, in your business endeavor. And the reason for that is not, not only because of the culture that we mentioned, but also, as I've mentioned in the previous question, because of all this, this specificities that we have in terms of how the market operates and there is a market that's so strictly regulated and we need to, be, to pay attention to that. But also because, and that I think that that could also be another challenge for, for a company that wants to operate in Brazil, is that unfortunately, most of the people with whom this um, small or medium-sized Swiss company will need to deal to establish the business and understand the market or to get the certifications, there will be a language barrier. And I'm saying even because Unfortunately, English, for example, it's not such a well-spread language in, in the country necessarily. So yeah. having this local partner or local representative, it's very important to be able to already overcome this barrier and to actually um, get started with the right food. Um, the, second I, the second piece of advice that I would give is it's important to try to understand what a specific segment do you want to do you want to actually um, tackle or you want to join or you want to be inserted on if it's um, technology supply if it's service supply or if for example uh, a developer a project developer or a power plant developer because each of the segments they have like a different roadmap of its own that needs to be observed 
if you can already start by understanding which of these paths or which of these trails you want to be on, it's much easier than to find the people you want to connect on and try to make um, such connections happening, but also to understand, to try to narrow down your business. So if we're talking, for example, about technology supplying, uh, we would be looking more towards what are the specific segments that could be a, a potential customer for the technology. What are the competitive advantages of the project that you're supplying in relation to some other projects or technologies that might or might not already be in place in the Brazilian market? Then we can also look towards the certifications that we meant. If we're talking about developers, project developers or power plan developers, we would be looking uh, what is the scale of the investment that you would be seeking to do here because we have two very specific and different um, energy environments that also set what kind of rules you would need to obey and one of the decisions that we can make to define in which environment you will be better positioned is, is in terms of investment scale or target um, segment or customer for the energy produced. So I think that's that's a second um, decision that um, that would be or that will make the life much easier when looking towards Brazil. Right. And I think the third piece of advice that I would give, it's which in a way connects with the first one, is the energy market in Brazil. It's it's a heated market. It's a heated spot. Um, Brazil, it's a it's the ninth biggest energy market in the world and the biggest in Latin America. So that means that we have, uh, of course, many opportunities and many eyes looking towards us. And that translates in two specific ways. So the first one is that we also have like the associations and uh, companies in Brazil that are looking towards uh, bringing international opportunities or international companies for the country. So that's, that's a space for that. And the second is that the government itself has established a specific department that looks for partnerships, foreign partnerships in the country. So I think the third piece of advice is try to look for one of these directions, if not both, uh, because there are many things happening, also events and opportunities to um, start making your way into the Brazilian market. You mentioned uh, that associations and sometimes the Brazilian government can help. Can, can you mention some of the associations that you think that are relevant or the governmental bodies? Yes. Um, well, uh, I think I would, need, I would start with the solar, the photovoltaic solar association because it's, um, it's also the one I'm a member of the board. So that's AB Solar. Um, and that's the solar market in terms of the energy sector. It's one of the fastest um, sectors that we have here and that it's very much connected also with that those um, grid management and the challenges and the opportunities that we 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 mentioned earlier so i think that's a good one to start with and another association that i think could be very much relevant it's um abiogas or abiogas uh, which is the association of biogas in brazil that looks a lot also for under countries and opportunities and especially um biogas technologies that are in place in Europe and that could be brought towards Brazil for development here. And, and just um, maybe a parenthesis here, that the, the Brazilian government is finally looking 
for biogas with more caring eyes. That means that are, there are several opportunities also in auctions, energy auctions coming up. Um, and that would even raise um, the market expectations towards new technology for the segment. So I think that's that's a, a nice opportunity, especially as I said, if we look towards um, waste uh, biogas. Yes. Another uh, association that I think it's interesting um, towards maybe more agreed perspective is Abraji. Uh, Abraji is the association that represents energy utilities. Um, and they are also the ones that are uh, challenged with grid controls and uh, how to actually understand consumers or dislocation of signs and these tariff challenges. So I think though they are also the ones interesting if you have a technology or a product that could fit into this whole energy management system to look at. In terms of, uh, in terms of government bodies, um, I would definitely say the national grid operator um, I think that's that's the one that it's um, definitely looking towards new opportunities in the Ministry of Energy. And within the Ministry of Economy, we have a um, special secretary for programs and partnership and investment partnerships. So those are uh, there's a that's a special department looking for international partnerships opportunities for the country as well usually in infrastructure sector, which would embrace energy. So those, I think, are, are some that I would recommend keeping an special eye. Thank you so much. I think this has been very informative. And I hope that your comments and tips can inspire many more Swiss companies to target the Brazilian energy market. That's all for today, and we'll keep in touch. Fantastic. Thank you, Leticia and Barbara. We've heard and learned a lot about the situation and market opportunities in Brazil. I would like to turn next to Chile to hear about the situation and the opportunities. The head of our Swiss business hub, Marco Sander, will be talking to Nicola Borregard from EBP Chile and to Christoph Janse from Invest Chile. Thank you very much, David. Hello also from my side. My name is Marco Sander and I am the head of the Swiss business hub in Chile. Chile is a rather small country in the very south of the American continent. Still, it offers what we believe are very attractive opportunities for Swiss companies, especially in the area of clean tech. I guess we can divide these opportunities into two classes. The very large scale projects in the area of green hydrogen or big capacity installations to help the massive mining sector to become greener. But there are also important small-scale opportunities, which include products or services for SMEs, farmers, municipalities or private households. And of course, the water shortage, which all the sectors face due to climate change and economic growth. Solutions which help to measure, safe, pump or generate water in a sustainable way are very much in demand. It is now my honor to welcome two experts from Chile. Christoph Janse is the specialist for mining and energy at Invest Chile, the official investment promotion agency. He will tell us more about Chile's ambitious vision to become a worldwide supplier of clean energy. Our second guest is Nicola Boregard, the CEO of EBP Chile. 
Nicola will then focus more on the current situation and how Swiss companies could contribute to sustainability in Chile. So, Christoph, thank you very much for your participation. Chile is known for its unique geography. Its deserts in the north offer the highest solar radiation on the planet, and in the south, the Patagonian region benefits from strong and consistent winds. In which sectors and technologies do you see the most relevant potential for the country? Thank you very much for the for the opportunity to participate. Um, and in in answer to your question, what what you mentioned is is correct. Uh, Chile has very high solar irradiance in in the north of the country, the the highest in the world actually, as as you mentioned. And in the southern regions and in Patagonia especially, there are uh, favorable favorable wind conditions. So. As a result of these, these natural conditions, the technologies that have been leading the growth in renewable energy in Chile, uh, and this is especially since 2010 onwards, um, are photovoltaic plants on, on the one side and, and also wind turbines. Now, now, there's a clear predominance of solar energy. And uh, when we look at the footprint of these technologies, uh, you have solar in, in first position, and then that's followed by wind and uh, then also a little bit of uh, geothermal energy. Now, when we look at the opportunities that this uh, presents, hand-in-hand uh, hand with the growth of, of these technologies, there's a growing opportunity for battery storage. And, and this is obviously given the intermittence of electric generation that's associated uh, specifically with, with solar and, and wind generation. Um, and it's also important to mention that Although the renewable energy growth has, has been really impressive, uh, it, it still only represents a, a very small percentage of Chile's estimated technical potential. And this has been estimated by the Ministry of Energy to be around 2,400 gigawatts. Um, so when we look at the, the current installed capacity, uh, non-conventional renewable energy in, in Chile, so now this includes solar, wind, biomass and mini hydropower generation and these technologies account for eight gigawatts of installed capacity and that is equivalent to about 35 percent of the total installed capacity in chile at the moment you mentioned the enormous potential can chile really become an important partner to produce the clean and renewable fuels and the raw materials that the worldwide economy requires to become more sustainable? So this is a, a very good question. Um, Chile certainly has the, the natural conditions to be an important partner to produce clean and renewable fuels, as we've already seen in, in, in the previous uh, question. And it is already a very important partner with regards to the production of raw materials. So Chile is the number one producer of copper in the world and also a very important producer of lithium. It's, it's currently the number two producer. And both of these elements and resources play a key role in the electricity and electromobility industries. And then there also seems to be a political and societal consensus on, on all sides that the country should be striving to be an important strategic partner in the fight against climate change. Uh, the, the road definitely won't be easy or straightforward, but there is political will 
and, and also expectations from society to implement these strategies. Now, this consensus is certainly a very important base. And this leads me to my third question. Are there any barriers for foreign providers to supply technologies and services in relation to this important vision for Chile? For example, in the area of certifications, legislation, norms, or even cultural differences? And how to overcome them? I think it's important to mention that Chile has a very open economic policy in terms of imports and also allowing foreign products and, and investments into the country. It's one of the countries in the world with the highest number of free trade agreements. And this is after the UK, Norway and, and Switzerland, actually, I believe. So in terms of, of the economic policy, it's, it's a very open country. And in terms of certification and norms, Chile generally follows European or North American uh, regulations in, in terms of uh, technical standards, etc., Now, with, with regards to cultural differences, uh, obviously language is a, is a slight barrier, but in Chile at, at most professional and managerial levels, there, there is a good level of, of English, um, especially in the, in the engineering fields, uh, construction, etc. So um, another cultural barrier uh, might be that South American uh, you know, concept of, of time frames, And, and concept of time might be slightly different than, than what you would be used to, I guess, especially in Switzerland. Um, but Ch Ch Chileans generally take tasks and, and rules and regulations very seriously. So, so they take the, the work seriously. Um, they don't necessarily take uh, shortcuts. And in general, Chilean society is very much based on, on the rule of law, um, and, and following rules and, and regulations. Thank you very much, Christoph. Let us now change from uh, the future vision of the country to the current situation in Chile. And to you, Nicola, what are the most immediate challenges which the Chilean energy sector, the municipalities and the people have to face these days and where could consultancy and advanced technology play a role in solving them? Chile's energy sector is facing challenges in terms of integration of renewable energies, just like any other country. So we want to achieve 100% renewable energy in the electricity mix by 2050, according to our energy policy, 80% by 2030. So these are huge goals and they can be achieved, of course, only if we integrate on the one end the renewable energy, solar and wind and others, also geothermal we have also and biomass will also be, be part of that. But on the other end, also to integrate... Uh, energy storage. So there's a big challenge that we really make progress uh, through advancing with regard to, to the integration of energy storage, the remuneration of energy storage services in the energy mix, in the electricity mix, has to be, has to be regulated Uh, has to be the regulation has to be adapted so that we really promote this integration of energy storage. Uh, 
also we will have to work much more at the distributed level. In Chile, we have made huge progress at the, at the central energy grid, but we have not made enough progress with regard to distributed energy, to the, with regard to the energy transition, with regard to the inclusion of everybody in this energy transition at the residential level, at the industry level. So we speak about different uh, clean energy solutions at the distributed level. That means, for example, integrating renewables or electrification at the level of buildings, electrification at the level of transport, and we still have a long way to go in, with that, in, in that regard. We have to reform our law on distributed energy urgently. There's a reform in the Congress. There is a proposal for reform in the, in the Congress. It has not been, it has not been approved yet. It's, it is rather paralyzed at the moment. So we really have to make a huge effort to confront these questions of uh, how to include the distributed level at the, in, the, in the transition, in the energy transition. Imagine we have today, for example, only a 0.2% of participation of solar rooftops in the, uh, in the installed capacity uh, compared to other countries, European countries, that are at 10%. So we really, this is a, a big challenge. We have huge potential there. This is also very important in order to to make sure that the citizens are participating directly and that the citizens are uh, comfortable with the integration of new larger projects so that they really feel integrated in this whole process and that they are yeah that that there's a like a sort of social validation with this so that is a very important point. Very interesting. Now, how do you see the current situation of Chile compared with Europe and Switzerland in terms of energy efficiency? Or in other words, what are the main gaps and where do you identify opportunities for improvement? Yes, I see huge gaps and opportunities also in the Chilean market. We, I would say we have not yet consolidated a market for energy efficiency in no ways. We have to, now we just publish the energy efficiency law for the first time. We have an energy efficiency law, which, for example, makes it obligatory to carry out uh, energy management and have an energy uh, manager 
at the level of companies that are energy intensive. Uh, it also incorporates, for example, the uh, obligatory energy passport for buildings. So that will be a big difference now and push the market at the level of energy efficiency in buildings in, during the next years. I believe that will be very important. We have not uh, succeeded in creating a market for ESCOs, for energy service companies, in different ways at the level of the industry or at the level of the buildings. So we really have a lot to, to do in, in energy efficiency, also with regard to energy efficient appliances. We have introduced the energy efficiency uh, certificate or label, energy consumption label for appliances, about 10 years, more than 10 years ago. And today it's applicable for a number of, of appliances, but we have a long way to go there as well. So there's a huge number of appliances without the energy efficiency label yet. And I believe that probably the, the law will bring in new, new impetus for this. So I think there's, there will be a lot of movement in the energy efficiency market over the next couple of years, all in this framework of the new law on energy efficiency. If you're now looking at the concrete opportunities, what kind of products or services in terms of improving energy efficiency do you see as the most promising in Chile for the next five or ten years and why? An interesting market for services is definitely the question of monitoring, not only energy efficiency appliances and not only ESCO services, not only energy efficiency in the building sector, which implies all types of things in the building sector. You have materials, you have the question of energy evaluations, at the level of buildings, so there's a huge market for services with regard to, to buildings. There's also uh, evaluations of emissions, for example. There's uh, air conditioning appliances. There's ventilation studies and uh, engineering design for ventilation and climatization. So I believe that there's a huge market really around buildings and also around monitoring. So if we need, if we want to introduce these, these changes and these energy efficient technologies, we also have to come up with, with, the, with appliances and products for monitoring because if we don't monitor afterwards what the real savings are, then we will not create the market at the end. So I believe that there will be a market for monitoring devices as well. That makes sense. Now, coming to my last question. 
based on your broad experience here in Chile, if you could give three pieces of advice to a Swiss small or medium-sized clean tech company that wants to enter the Chilean market, what would you say? I would say the first advice is that very often um, Chile looks like Europe. It feels like Europe when you arrive from the airport directly to the, this is a very segregated, socially segregated society. And you will arrive, mostly of you come from outside, you will arrive to, to areas that look like Switzerland a little bit, but look like Zurich. But it's, but we, we're far away from that it's much different. So one has to really take one's time, try to understand, go to other parts of the city. Don't stay only in Vitacura, Las Condes and Providencia, but also get to the other parts of the city and understand how the an 80% of the population is living in Chile. So I think one has to grasp, the, grasp that because the market is related also very much to this 80% of the population, a future market. So I think that's a, one of the suggestions. Work in that sense with somebody local that understands the context, that understands the people and how they feel, how they work. Chile is not, a, not very easy to get into the market, you have to have the contacts also, you have to understand the market. But Chile can be a very interesting jumping board to other Latin American countries always. So in that sense, Chile might be much easier than other Latin American countries. And if you can make it in Chile, you have a first step towards being successful also in other Latin American countries. Thank you very much, Nicola. With this, I would like to pass the ball back to Zurich. Many thanks to the audience for the attention and to our two speakers, Christoph Janse and Nicola Boregard, for these very interesting and certainly inspiring comments. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Christoph and Nicola, for your answers, thoughts, and ideas. So it has been very interesting to hear from Brazil and Chile. In Brazil, we heard about the need to expand the use of multiple sources of renewable energies to increase security and reduce their dependence on hydropower. To do this, we learned that storage needs to develop specifically to adapt for the intermittency of wind and solar. There is a need to develop how to effectively combine these multiple different sources of energies. And we heard about the measures that are important to value energy further and to e increase energy efficiency. From Chile, that the country has massive potential for solar and wind and a goal to become a renewable energy exporter. Chile has the raw materials to be more present throughout the value chain of energy storage. In the development of the market in Chile, there is a need to manage the integration of distributed energy production. And as an example, we saw that the contribution of rooftop PV is currently very low in comparison to European levels. New legislation is set to change the situation in regards of energy efficiency, especially for energy intensive industries for the requirements of the efficiency of buildings, 
and the need to use more efficient appliances. Key areas with potential were identified as monitoring, services, evaluation, measuring of emissions, ventilation, and overall, the whole building sector and how efficient it is. From both countries, we heard about the access to markets, thoughts on the importance of partnerships, the value of culture, and the requirement to build the right network to be successful. I would like to conclude today's podcast by thanking all the speakers and our Swiss business hubs and hope that you found this useful. Please don't hesitate to get in contact with me, with one of the SGE offices in Switzerland, or directly with our business hubs in one of the countries so that we can help support you and answer your questions. Thank you.